Welcome to a single serving podcast. I'm your host, Shaney Silver. I started this podcast because whenever I saw content for single women, it was about dating, how to date better, how to survive dating. And I know that we deserve more than that. So I created this podcast to change the way being single is seen, discussed, and felt. And I'm so happy to have you here with me. I hope you'll also consider joining the Facebook group for this podcast. It's become a really supportive community full of people sharing stories and encouraging one another and actually meeting up in real life too. There are three main ways that you can support this podcast. The first is simply share it, share it with someone who needs to hear it, share it with your family, share it with your friends, anybody who could use a change in perspective when it comes to being single. The second way is you can rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It takes two seconds and it's a huge deal that really helps podcasters, um, get more visibility and continue to do their work. And then the third way is you can become a patron of mine on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that helps independent creators earn money for creating the work that people enjoy. So there are multiple tiers that you can join, but my favorite one is a $5 tier that comes with an extra bonus episode of this podcast every single month. So there will be a link to it below. Check it out. And in the meantime, thank you so much for joining me. Hello to this beautiful podcast community. How are you? I'm so excited to chat with you today. I have a really special episode to share. This is a rare occasion for me. I am actually sharing an episode of a podcast with you through my podcast called Thriving Solo. Thriving Solo is hosted by a woman named Jennifer Fields, who is a podcaster and coach for single men and women. And um, I really enjoyed our conversation. I really enjoyed Jennifer's interview style and conversation style. And I really thought that the themes that came out were incredibly helpful for the single community as a whole, especially as we move into a new year. So I'm actually going to share that episode of her podcast with you now through my podcast. And I strongly encourage you all to check out her podcast as well. I will link to it in the show notes, of course, um, that this is a great listen for anybody who is struggling with singlehood. I know that that sounds really uh, huge for this audience because everything that I make is essentially for people struggling with singlehood. But if you are, um, having a particularly rough time at the holidays, and I know that many of us can be having a tough time at the holidays, particularly the holidays during a global pandemic following God, nine or 10 months at this point of social distance, isolation. I have been alone all year. I don't know about you, but I have spent the year alone with more solitude and isolation than I have ever known in my 13 years of being single. So this is a big one. And I thought that this episode might really get into the mechanics of changing narratives and feeling better. That's what I want to give to you. So that's why I'm sharing this episode here. I really hope that you enjoy it. And um, just to reiterate on the announcement that I have made for the last couple of weeks, starting January 1st, 2021, there will be some changes to a single serving podcast. I'm still making it. Don't worry. Uh, what's going to happen is that once a month, I will continue to share a single serving podcast on Apple podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify, all the platforms that you're used to. Once a month, there will be one episode published to all of those channels. And then all the remaining episodes for the month will be published over on Patreon, which you can join via the link in the show notes. And there are links to it on my website. It's very easy to find my Patreon. And so when you join my Patreon at the $5 a month tier, 
you will have full access to every episode of a single serving podcast that I publish throughout the year. You will also have access to the podcast's Facebook group, and you'll receive an email with a link to join that group if you'd like. And then you will also get access to over a year's worth of solo bonus episodes that I have already published. You'll get instantaneous access to all of them if you'd like to listen. So um, hopefully you guys can join me over on Patreon. And um, if you're wondering why I made these changes for the new year, it's really because I want to keep going. I want to keep going and keep creating this space, this content. I want to keep helping single people see and experience singlehood differently and better. And for me to keep doing this work, um, I know that I deserve to be compensated for that work. And I, I want to keep going. And in order to keep going, uh, I need to put these changes in place. So I hope you will join me over on Patreon. And if you have any questions or anything, you can always email me at a single serving podcast at gmail.com. Apart from that, I hope that everyone's having a lovely holiday season, whatever you choose to celebrate or not. Um, I'm thinking about you guys a lot these days. Um, like I said, the holidays can be heavy for us. Um, I get it. I am right there with you. And hopefully uh, the content that I'm going to share will be helpful. I typically take um, two weeks off over the holiday season, but I'm not doing that this year. Um, I'm going to share this episode with you today. And then next week, I'm going to share um, a solo episode with you right before the new year. So there won't be any downtime for this podcast. There's no break. I'm going to make sure that you guys have support and content because I know it's rough, especially in 2020. So um, I love you guys so much. I respect this community so much. And I'm really looking forward to everything that we can do together in 2021. So that being said, I'm going to go ahead and start this episode, which is actually an episode of Thriving Solo with Jennifer Fields. Um, and I really encourage you to check out the rest of her podcast. I will link to it in the show notes. So I really hope that you guys enjoy. One more quick thing before I start the episode of Thriving Solo with Jennifer Fields, where I am her guest. The one thing I wanted to mention is if you have any questions or topics that you would like me to address in next week's solo episode right before the new year, please feel free to send those to me. You can email me at a single serving podcast at gmail.com or you can send me a DM on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at Shaney Silver, very easy to find. Um, I'm happy to include anything that you guys would specifically like me to address. Um, otherwise there will be an awesome solo episode for you right before the new year in a week. And until then, I hope you enjoy this interview that I really enjoyed doing with Jennifer. This was really fun. Okay. I'm going to stop talking. Bye. Hey everybody. Welcome back to the thriving solo podcast. I'm so glad that you're here as always. I love having you here today. I'm so excited to introduce my second guest on the podcast. And that is Shaney Silver. Shaney is a writer and podcast host who focuses on changing the narrative of living single. If you're ready to let go of the common narrative about being single in society and learn the truth about what it's like going solo, this is the episode for you. I hope you enjoy our conversation. So here we go. All right. Welcome back to the Thriving Solo Podcast, everyone. Today, I have a special guest with me. I have Shani Silver is with me today. Shani's a writer and also podcast host. So happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. I love being on other people's podcasts. It's like one of my joys. <laughs> It is fun. It's fun to, to, to be in this world. It, um, 
I'm kind of getting back to it and getting started. So it is fun reaching out and connecting with people on this medium. I love it. This is how I make friends now. Like podcasting is just how I have access to a new like world of friendship is just by, like meeting them and interviewing them on podcasts and being on other people's. It's, it's how I make friends, especially now that we can't go anywhere. I know, right? It's such a good timing for this type of medium and that we can do this either via phone or like we are today via video and connect with people. So it is, it is fun to, to get in and do this. So tell us a little bit more about what you do. So I am a writer and podcaster, as you mentioned, and I write and talk about a lot of things, but I think primarily what uh, you'll find if you Google me is I do a lot of work to help change the narrative around being single because I, um, I've been single for 13 years and I'm 38 years old. And I, those combination things to me being in a world that was very, very negative. And, um, I didn't see a lot of fairness in that, in that, uh, negativity. And in just looking at the way single life, particularly for single women, is portrayed in the world and regarded in the world and discussed in the world, um, it I couldn't sit with it. I just like I couldn't accept the way that it was. I couldn't accept that volume of negativity, especially when all that negativity is unearned. Because if you really look at single life and you really like evaluate everything that you have and all the freedoms afforded to you and the um, the time afforded to you, all of it. Um, it isn't actually a bad thing. So I thought that singlehood needed new PR and I Mm -hmm. wanted to help. And that's why I do what I do. I love that. It needed new PR. I love it. It's true. Absolutely. What, what was that typical narrative that you heard with being single? It was a pathetic one, a desperate one, a sad one, a failure one. It was, you know, it reiterated to single women that they were wrong, that there was something wrong with them, that they were bad, that they were undesirable. Um, like it was this this constant messaging of how undesirable you are while simultaneously saying you better be desirable so that you can find a man. It was like, it just didn't make any sense to me. It made no sense. The life that I was living and the messages I was seeing about singlehood were so contradictory and so unfair and so pressured it just, there wasn't a whole lot of logic to it. There wasn't a whole lot of honesty to it. It was just this negative, um, I mean, every television show, every book, every app, every social media account, everything about singlehood was either negative or solely focused on dating. And yeah. in my opinion, that sole focus on dating is also negative because it implies that you should be pursuing partnership if you're single. That's the only thing you should care about is dating and finding somebody if you're single. When all we show single women is stuff about dating, that's the message that we're receiving. It's like you should be dating and actively trying to find a partner until you find one. And then you can worry about something else. And I didn't like that. There were a lot of things that I enjoyed that like enticed me, that excited me, that inspired me, that had nothing to do with dating. And I found that the more I focused on all those other things and the less I focused on dating the happier I was with my life in general, much less with my singlehood, but like just life in general got happier when I stopped focusing so narrowly on dating. And um, I wanted to share that. I wanted to share more possibilities for single women than were being presented. Yeah. How did you 
when did you make that connection or that shift to know that, okay, I want to be a part of this new narrative? 2018. <laughs> I can like- Two years ago, very, yeah. Yeah, it's um, probably uh, early to mid 2018. I had started to reevaluate the way I was speaking about my own singlehood and the way that I was talking to myself about my own singlehood. And I wanted to tell more stories that were about more than dating, that were about positive parts of single life. And I was very lucky in 2018 to... Uh, launch a series on Refinery29 called Every Single Day. And I wrote that for two years. And a few months into writing that series, I decided to start a podcast about it because I had more to say than in an essay every other week on Refinery29. I wanted to say a lot more and I wanted to talk to a lot more people because my opinion is a valid one and I like it very much, but <laughs> I want other people's opinions too. And I want their stories too, because uh, I'm not the only voice in this space, not by a mile. So I wanted to, to, uh, give a space for those voices to talk. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, when you were, so you said you've been single for 13 years now and that I had read, I, I believe it was a blog post. I had read that you had said a couple years ago, you decided to be good with it. Um, what, what kind of made that shift for you to, to sort of like change the narrative yourself in your own life? Exhaustion and exasperation and a genuine realization that I wasn't put on earth to be this unhappy. There was no way that my whole life was here to be this unhappy. And the thing that was making me unhappy was that for at the time, 11, 10 or 11 years, I had been trying to find a partner and couldn't no matter what I did. Can you imagine looking for an apartment for that long and not finding one? You would lose your mind. It, and yeah. I started to just lose myself. I was so unhappy and so frustrated. It seemed so frustrating. Fair, what hell can't I find this? Like, why? And I just sort of asked myself, like, I have to solve my singlehood. And I'm not going to do that by finding a partner, apparently. Uh, so there has to be another way to do it. And I found another way to do it. And that's just by fully living, fully living a life and not just focusing on trying to fix a problem with a partner because you can't really do that anyway. So you no, might as well no. like evaluate your whole life altogether um, prior to finding partnership. I'm very, very grateful for that realization because I don't think that I was well suited to partnership before. Um, but in in living more fully now, I think I'm in a far better position, but it was just exhaustion. It was, it was the refusal to accept that the only reason I was here was to date. It was, yeah. it was nonsense. It was a, it was a very dark place and I wanted to get out of that dark place. And so I found a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's sometimes for us, it just something, something clicks with that and, and thank goodness that it does, but something shines the light on there's gotta be a different way to do this. So. Um, do you find, uh, through like your writing and through your podcast, which is called a single serving podcast, by the way, I don't know if you mentioned that. Um, and of course there'll be links in the show notes for this. Um, do you find there's a similar narrative with a similar negative narrative with men? No, no I mean, I'm not a man, so that's, that's I don't know true, yeah. what's being said to them, but, uh, I can tell you from a pop popular culture and a social media perspective. No. Um, no, the narrative is so different. It is, um, the narrative makes the, oh, can I swear on this podcast? Sure. 
I just stopped myself. Sorry. Um, it, the, the narrative makes, or the, the narrative that men receive makes their bullshit behavior funny. It turns it into something charming and funny. It makes ghosting funny. It makes dick pics funny. It mm-hmm. makes all of these things that they do that we don't like instead of something that men need to stop doing, it becomes something women need to get used to. Mm. that's the narrative that I've picked up in 13 years of being single. Um, so I have a lot, I mean, I'm basically the singlehood anthropologist at this point. That's what I've gleaned from my time in singlehood. So no, I don't think they receive the same messages, but they never have. They've never yeah. received the same messages in terms of um, no one's going to look at a 38 year old single man the same way they're going to look at me um, oh, yeah. or talk about them publicly or privately <laughs> the same way. It's just not going to happen. It's never, um, oh, what's wrong with him? Why is he single? It's what's wrong with her. Why is she single with him? It's just, oh, he just hasn't met the right girl yet. Well, I haven't met the right guy yet either. That's why I'm single. And that's the only reason why I'm single. It's the only reason anyone is single. We just haven't met our partner yet. That's the answer. And it's hard to accept, I think, especially if you're a single woman, because, um, there is no way around it. There is no way to solve it. There is no way to like, like fate is very tight lipped. She's not telling you when you're going to meet your partner or how, Mm -hmm. and that's hard to accept that we have no control over things like this. Um, So I know that that answer will probably not be what people want to hear, but it is the truth. And I, I will throw in there too. I think a lot of people, I know myself, I, I do consider myself single at heart. I mean, I think that there are a lot of people more and more these days who just aren't looking or they're not interested right now, whether that's a lifestyle they're choosing to go the single route, or maybe they're just taking time off from that and focusing on other areas of life. Because as you said, isn't that amazing? There's something else to focus on besides being single all the time. Oh my God. <laughs> a, but how would you know? That we could create. Oh my God. It's just, it turns into this world where all you're doing is just swiping, 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 swiping all the time. Every moment of downtime is just swiping through faces and it narrows the aperture of your own life to the size of a pinhole where all you focus on and can think about is either finding somebody or being miserable about the fact that you can't and you haven't and why not? And what's wrong with me? Like that narrative that we tell ourselves even can be more damaging than the one society tells us. So it's just an opening of the aperture of your own single life and taking in all of the light, all of the good stuff. Um, And I hope that, I hope that my work helps people do that. Yes, absolutely. It's interesting too, when um, I was speaking with a, a friend the other day and she was saying her son, who is 26 years old, I believe, is in the cycle of that's all he's thinking about is dating. So I thought that was really interesting. Even, I don't know, I, I look at those um, younger generations and think, oh, they've got it figured out. They're not really interested. But there is something about that where people still are getting stuck in that <clears throat> narrative or, you know, the, this is what you should do. At, you Go to high school, go to college, graduate college, get married, buy the house, do all that it's like, it still is there. It's happening. And I look way back. Um, I'm 45 now, turning <laughs> 46. I'm getting to that point, almost forgetting my age. Um, but it's interesting, like looking back when I was younger, how it's so, even in our twenties, it's just so in our face so much. And you really do have to find somehow your independence to kind of crawl out of that a little bit and, and be open to something different. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. With so many people that I talk to who are single, it's interesting. Another, I think, common narrative. um, I think it's assumed that all single people want to find someone. I think probably there are a lot who do, but there are many who really aren't that interested. What I found a lot with the single people I talk to is that people want good friendships and people want good community. And it was really interesting. I believe it was on your anniversary podcast. You had mentioned you had spent so much time searching for certain qualities in a partner. And then you realized that you had these these qualities in your friends and in the community around you. And I've, I've always thought that too, like we can get so much from our other relationships and communities. It doesn't have to be from this one person. So I really found that really interesting that you had sort of had that, you know, epiphany of like, well, I have all these, you know, qualities in the people around me already. What would be your advice or, or how have you found um, fostering connections and, and creating that community when, when being single? Um, I will tell you, but I want to preface it with this. Um, I still want a relationship. And I think another narrative that isn't true about singlehood is that if you get really comfortable with your singlehood and if you start liking it, that's somehow communicating to the relationship gods that you don't want a boyfriend. So you better stay miserably single so that they'll throw you a bone. Uh, That's not true. It is perfectly possible. And I'm living proof of it that you can be very happily single and still want and desire a relationship and be open to a relationship. You don't have to write off dating or write off relationships in order to be happy single. That's not true. It can coexist that you are happily single and looking forward to your next relationship at the exact same time. That's mm-hmm. allowed. And it's a great place to be in because it's a very optimistic and, and whole uh, valid place to be. Um, but if you do need more community and many of us do, there are so many ways to do it. And I mean, I'm really lucky because the first answer I always give is start a podcast because you will connect with so many people. I have made so many new friends. One of them tried to FaceTime me while we've been talking. Like a former <laughs> podcast guest is like trying to talk to me. Um, it's, that's, I guess that's cheating in a way because I know not everyone's going to start a podcast. But um, the thing you have to do more than anything is try. You have to try to make new friends if you want to make new friends. You have to try to strengthen relationships if you want to strengthen relationships. Nothing is going to just happen to you. This passive participation in life does not serve us well as women. You have to take an active role and agency over the world around you if you don't like it. And um, the throwing up of the hands and like, well, why does this always happen to me? Or why does nothing ever happen to me? Whatever. Uh, Do that if you want, but I don't think it's going to get you very far. Mm -hmm. I think taking action, being proactive in building new friendships and trying is what's going to get you there. And it's, I know it's so intimidating. It's almost scarier to try to make new friends than it is to date because the dating structure is already built for you, right? Like everyone understands the scaffolding around dating. Everyone understands the paradigm. Everyone's very comfortable. Like this is what a date looks like. This is what this process looks like. We get it. It's different with friendship because when we were in school, that's when we made friends. That structure was in place for us. And then they took it away when we grew up and they didn't put anything in its place. So it's hard to make new friends. And I want to acknowledge, especially anyone that's having trouble making new friends. I know how hard it is, but it is effort well rewarded. Even if you don't make a new friend, you tried. And uh, when people are like, it's just important that you try. No, I disagree. I think it's important that you got the lesson involved in trying. 
even if it didn't work out for you, you still told yourself that you could try and the world didn't end. I think that's what's important. Um, get hobbies, take classes, uh, follow your interests, travel in healthier times. Um, it's uh, use the resources at your disposal, right? Like we have this stigma against, like, you know, when you make a new friend because they, you were introduced from another friend, mm-hmm. the connective friend in the middle of your new friend and you doesn't have to be involved every time you hang out. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to invite everyone to brunch every time. You can just go with one person. That's fine. Um, the same Thank way you. you might, right? The same way you might reach out to a friend and say, hey, do you know anybody that you could fix me up with for a date? You can say, do you know any other single women that I might like to hang out with sometime? You can say that to your friends. And if your friends are offended by that question that you want to hang out with someone other than them, maybe they don't need to be your friend anymore. Just saying. Yeah. Use your resources. Use the resources yeah. at your disposal to try to make more community around you. Yeah. I love that. That's I, I really appreciate that. I love I've loved being the connector of friends in the past. It feels good too. I think the majority of people would, would be more than happy to connect people with other people yes. and kind of grow a community. It's it's fun. It's fun introducing people and seeing them have a relationship that can flourish. Absolutely. So, totally agree. Yeah. So what are some of the most enjoyable things that you've been able to experience in your single life? <sighs> Oh my God. Um, so much. <laughs> it's, and it's hard to talk about these things because we've been so trained, especially as women, like not to insult people in couples, like the, uh, institution of couplehood has been seen as so precious and the institution of singlehood has been seen as such trash that it's like, people don't mind, um, like shitting on single women. But if I want to like say something that shits on a couple, that's like a, Ooh, that's like taboo. I will say whatever I want. Um, remember that you never have to compromise with anyone, like ever. It's amazing. The space and time that I've given myself through my singlehood to be selfish, to discover what I like and what I don't like, to um, have experienced so much time where I'm in charge, where I'm doing what I like to do. Mm-hmm. It has helped me build up confidence to where I won't shrink in relationships the way that I used to. Mm-hmm. I won't just say everything's fine when it's not. I won't do whatever someone else wants to do when I don't want to do that. Um, I've learned to love so much about my own tastes and preferences and personality that I've learned to also value them. And because I value these things, I'm not willing to give them up for someone else. And all relationships will involve compromise. Of course, that's a very healthy part of a relationship and with compromise, but I'm not with losing myself to a relationship. And there's a difference between those two things. So I think that's one wonderful thing that I've gotten to experience. Um, There's most of it has to do with freedom. Uh, Some of it has to do with time, like the time that it took me to grow old enough to know for a fact that I don't want children. I would have missed that opportunity if I had gotten married young or any younger than this. (laughs) So um, that is probably the most precious thing was the time to discover that I'm not a mother, that it is not my path. Um, I am immeasurably grateful to have figured that out before I had children because I could have very easily if I had gotten married in my twenties, because I thought that's what you did. I was just like, Oh, well, everyone has kids. That's what you do. (laughs) And um, it's not what I do. I'm not meant to. 
Um, so that's probably the best thing that I've experienced. I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> it's a lot. I, all of this I, that I talk about is a, is a lot. No, I just love it so much though. And there's just so much, con- I, I just hear so much confidence and, and just positivity about it. Um, oh, I know what I was going to ask with, you had said that you are still interested in the relationship. Do you, uh, um, sometimes with people who are, who have been single for so long, they are concerned about that, like integrating back into a relationship. Do you have concerns about that? I, I kind of no. have some thoughts about it, but no. Yeah. I'm not worried about not being good at relationships because I've been out of them for so long. It's really the opposite. Um, I think I've gotten good at relationships because I've spent so much time single. And I also, because I like being single and I enjoy this life, I'm not ever going to be in a bad relationship because I'm not scared to be by myself. So I'm not scared to return to singlehood if I need to, which I think will make me show up as a more authentic, complete person in a relationship with someone else. That's why I think I'm better at relationships because I have a a sense of who I am and my authenticity and I'm not willing to get rid of that for somebody else. Um, I mean, there are practical things that I do genuinely have concerns about, like uh, sharing a bed with someone. I don't know how to sleep with another human being. I can barely sleep with a cat. Like it's, I don't know. But I've, I've also thought in my mind, well, there are workarounds. If I have my own set of blankets and I can burrito myself on my own side of the bed, I think I'll be fine. Like there's no, there's nothing so scary about entering into a relationship with another person after having been alone for so long, there's nothing so scary that it makes me not want a relationship. You know what I mean? Like I still want, I look forward to company. I look forward to laughter. I look forward to like physical touch. I look forward to like cooking with somebody is one of the funnest things to me. And I look forward to doing that again. It's uh, I'll probably still, there are two things that I'm probably still going to do alone, no matter what. Um, I will always go to the movies alone. I hate going to the movies with other people. <laughs> it's, it's awkward. You can't talk like it's whatever. Um, it's true. You can't. It's not like you can have a conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I go to movie theaters where you can order food and drinks while you are at the movie. I go to the Alamo draft house. It's my favorite place. It's the yeah. one thing I missed so much during the pandemic. I miss Alamo draft house so much. Yeah. Um, and I don't like to share my French fries during the movie. I don't want them. I don't like to No, Absolutely not. I'm going alone. And then I'm also <laughs> going to still, I'll still travel alone for sure. I will still have an annual yeah. solo trip for sure. And someone is welcome to meet me on the second leg of the trip, but the first one will be just me. Yes. So important. I love that. I just, I drove past the Alamo draft house here in Denver just this weekend and it, it hit me too. I'm like, gosh, I really, I miss that. You know, I miss it. So much. I used to go, um, there was a, a, a period in my life where I was really, really suffering from anxiety. It was, a, uh, it, it was terrible. Um, much more managed now. But one of my coping skills during that time was going to the Alamo Draft House pretty much weekly. Like once yeah. a week, I would go and sit in an almost empty dark theater in the middle of the week and watch whatever movie was. I love all kinds of movies. So it was just, it was just a moment that I got to give my brain and uh, nervous system a break because my anxiety was shut off because the movie was on and the sensory was all different. It wasn't like I was watching a movie on the couch where I could still worry <laughs> for some reason. Mm-hmm. It was like the movie theater would take it away from me. So it's, that was, that was a loss. It's hard to, to go through something as anxiety inducing as a global pandemic and not have my favorite coping skill at my disposal. So that's been, uh, that's been interesting. Right. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, it's um, it's I I enjoy those as well, and and going to to 
the movies alone as well. So it's so fun. Back to that. It? it is nice. It just really is nice to just be immersed and just enjoy it on your own, not passing the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Even when I'm in a relationship, so I make popcorn at my house all the time. Mm-hmm. And I've thought about this. These are the thoughts that pass through my head. I'm like, it's totally fine. I mean, I like my popcorn flavored the way it's made, but I make so much. I'll just split it into two bowls and he can have whatever flavors he likes on his. I'm not changing the spice level of my popcorn for someone else's taste. It's never going to happen. It's never no. going to happen. We have two bowls. We can have two separate ones. Get another bowl. Get another <laughs> bowl. Oh my God. That's so good. Oh, I love it. So I know you've touched on some things already, but how do you think you've thrived most in your single life? I think I, oh, I'm just happier. It sounds really simplistic as an answer. I'm just happy. I just came out of this dark hellhole of single misery. Mm-hmm. where I was just endlessly searching and searching and searching and searching and searching, by the way, in the worst possible places to look. Like I was only online dating ever mm-hmm. because meeting in real life, I don't know if you know this, but actually pretty hard when you're trying to meet like a dateable human being IRL, it's, I found it to be an almost impossible endeavor. I know that it's not impossible. And now I've like taken steps to remind myself of how possible it is, but Back then it was like, there was just, I was looking through this tiny little window of possibility and it was only online and dating online is just the most punishing experience. At least it was for me. I have friends who are married to their second Tinder match of all time. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because with me, it was thousands. It was thousands and thousands of faces that I swiped through and just match after match after match. And most of the time they would never say a word to me. If I actually did go on a date with somebody, it was just one date and then I never heard from them again. I can probably count the number of second dates I've ever been on in this 13 year stretch on my hands. That's probably what I can do. It was just so unsuccessful. And I didn't know enough back then to know that 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 level of minimal success with dating just meant that that's not my space. That's just not where I'm meant to thrive as a single person. And that's okay. I didn't know it was allowed. I was allowed to leave. I didn't know I was allowed to walk away from online dating while it was punishing me, I thought I had to stay there and be punished and stay there until I found someone. I thought that that was the only way to do it. Um, And then two years ago, I deleted them all and I have never downloaded again. And the longer they're gone, the happier I am. So, and I know it's really hard and it sounds super simplistic to say to people who are listening because everyone who's listening to this will be like, I delete them all the time, but I always get them back. Um, The way I kept them gone was by asking myself how they were serving me because everything in my life should be serving me. Everything in my life should have a purpose there. Mm -hmm. And they didn't, they had never served me once in 10 years of swiping. I had never had a boyfriend result, not one. So they weren't serving me in any capacity. And I was allowed to revoke their access to me. And now only things I like have access to me and I'm a lot happier. Oh gosh, that's amazing. I just think that's so important for so many people out there. You do, you just get into that loop. And if that's what you know, and if that's what you're used to, it's just, you keep, you know, sitting in that loop or running on that track. I love that. You can't get off and you just see people passing you, lapping you over and over again. 
you see so many people meeting people and getting engaged and getting married and having babies and traveling together. And so on one hand, you've got all of that happening. Everyone else's positivity is happening to you on social media. You can see it. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, you've got what's actually happening to you, which is horrible. You're just in the middle of this shit sandwich. That's so not fair. Like that can't be why we're meant to be here. That can't right. be why I'm on earth. Like there's right. no way that that's why I was born to be there. Are you kidding? Even though on the darkest day, I remember this on like the darkest day of my dating life. I was in the shower when all wonderful thoughts come to us. And I was like, there has to be a reason. There has to be a reason. It was comically bad at that point. It was pure comedy that this much crap had been happening to somebody who is a lovable human being. I don't think that I'm like a a bridge troll that has no business interacting with humans. I think I'm okay. There was no reason why. And I was like, no, there is. There has to be a reason for all of this. There is absolutely, I don't know what it is. But there is a reason for all of it. Now I know the reason, of course. I have a podcast and I write about this all the time and I hopefully help women feel better. And I know I do because they email me and tell me. So that's the purpose. That's why it was happening. But I didn't know it at the time. And it felt like shit at the time. And now I'm very grateful for the darkest days because without them, I wouldn't be able to help other people. So there's, it's a very like woo-woo way to approach it. But there is a reason for everything. Mm-hmm. There is intention there. Um, and if you can't see what it is, just walk away, be patient, uh, watch a movie and, um, it'll come eventually the answer will come, but, um, yeah, it's a lot, (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of good. It's a lot of good. It's just, it's a lot of, it's just very profound. And I think it's just a different way as we're talking and really the, the whole conversation about the narrative, it's a different way to look at it. And even asking those kinds of questions, asking questions really does open ourselves up to receive the answer. So. Yeah. yeah. I don't think a lot of women do. I see mm-hmm. a lot of negative talk. I see a lot of, oh, this is why I'm single, like memes on Instagram and stuff like that. I see a lot of self-blame. I see a lot of, I just don't think it's ever going to happen for me or what, like a lot of negative narratives that the women tell themselves. I see it all the time because I, I have a community full of people now that are are single women predominantly. The stories we tell ourselves are the harshest stories. You have to you have to talk to yourself more positively. You have to open yourself up to more than what is in front of you right now, because I promise you there is so much more. But the ingrained sense of failure that we accumulate, we absorb it because societal messages tell us we've failed, uh, that we're getting old, that we're not attractive, that we are these undesirable things. Uh, that message was never true. I don't you are 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. I do not care. It was never true. The desirability of us is inherent. And it can be proved by looking at all the relationships you know of ever. Like any person in your life, any family member, any friend, any famous person, whatever. When two people come together that are meant to be together, that's what was meant to happen. And that inherent desirability of both people was what brought them together and they didn't have to change anything about themselves to have it. There's just this inherent truth that you are a valid human being and exactly as you are is what will attract exactly what you should be with. And I know it's like hard to accept that, but it's, it's very true. And I find that reminding ourselves of that through looking at other happy relationships is one way to feel better. And that will take practice because right now all we know is that that incites jealousy. 
So changing that narrative from I'm jealous of what these people have to what do they actually have? Because maybe that can show me what's possible because neither Mm. of them were perfect. Neither of them were perfect human beings. That's not why they got married. It wasn't because they were perfect. It was because they were great for each other. So maybe something that's great for me won't require me changing who I am. Right. Yeah. And that's so important too, because that jealousy and the comparison is really, it can run rampant in in the minds of singles and kind of, you know, not go a very good way. So we need to kind of step in and, 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 and shift a perspective a little bit. And like you're saying, it's, it can be hard for people to say that or, or to think that way and, and to just take a step back and kind of say, well, how, you know, what can I <clears throat> learn from that? Or how can that be possible? It takes practice. It takes baby steps and practice. You don't have to be perfect at it on day one, but you do have to be conscious of what you're consuming. Like while you're scrolling Instagram or Facebook or whatever, you have to do it consciously and not just passively take in all of these messages like, oh, look what she got. Look what she got. Look what she got. And you take it in as, oh, what I don't have. I used to feel that way about women who got book deals. There was a time in my life where I could not open Twitter without seeing another woman get a book deal. And I want that. That's like one of my ultimate life goals. And for the life of me, can't find that either. But like girl after girl, woman after woman, everyone was getting book deals around me. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like what is happening? I'm a writer. And there are like Instagram dogs getting book deals. And I don't have, and I'm, it, so I had to change it for myself. I had to be like, okay, well, let this reinforce that it happens all the time. Let this be reinforcing to me that it is not an impossibility. It is definitely possible for human beings to write books and be successful in this world. And it, like, you can even take it like a next layer up because having the time to not have a book deal, just like having the time to not have a husband, that time of not having a book deal showed me that I don't just want a book deal. I Mm. want a massive one. I want my ultimate goal in life is to write an airport book which means a book that you can buy at the airport because you, they don't sell just every book at the airport. They sell Glennon Doyle and Chelsea Handler and Michelle yes. Obama at the airport. That's who they sell at the airport. And yes. that's what I want. I don't want small. I don't, I don't want a book that I have to like give away for free to friends and like beg people to buy. I want it to be one that is at the airport that you buy on your flight to Orlando and you loved it and you cried when you left it on the airplane by accident. Like I, I want that kind of deal. And I, I acknowledge that maybe that takes a little longer than what I wanted, but it will be so worth waiting for. Absolutely. And there'll always be space for it. There's always going to be space for your narrative and for what you have to say. Absolutely. At any age too, right? Mm -hmm. Like I used to assign like my early thirties, like late twenties, early thirties is like the time I had to like figure everything out and be super successful and whatever. Um, And that's not true at all. You can do whatever you want your whole life. And that's another thing you have to remind yourself of, like looking at women who are in generations ahead of me, who are achieving their greatest successes older than me, much older than me mm-hmm. is the best thing. It's so much better than reminding myself of relationship possibilities, success possibilities at every age. Julia Child didn't start cooking until her thirties. Yeah. I mean, Kamala Harris is in her fifties and she is the first vice president of the United States as a woman. I mean, there's no like timeline. It's I not, know. You know, you can do anything you want, anytime you want. And Dean, and I just learned too, um, that Kamala was single until she was 50. Yeah, 
I was like, delighted to hear that news. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, if you want to have a good afternoon, scroll through her husband's Instagram because he (laughs) adores her and it's so apparent and it's, it's just the most loving. It seems, I mean, obviously it's like for social media. So like take it with a grain of salt. I'm sure they have real couple problems too, but like just seeing the adoration is, it's so wonderful. It's a great reminder. If you need a starting place for reminding yourself that love is possible, start with Doug and Kamala. <laughs> yeah. Like, and beautiful. later on in life, and later on in life, you know, yes. like yes. you're saying for the, for those that are taking the time off that it, it it's, there really is no deadline Nope. for all this stuff. So Absolutely yeah. Absolutely not. I even have I, a, I, do you have an app called the pattern? No. It's like a, a astrology based app, but it doesn't use your sign. It just like it uses life and living on for you, like in this stage of life or this season of your life. And one of the points that it gives me is your relationships will likely come later in life. You haven't done anything wrong. We're just letting you know. And I was like, yeah. noted. <laughs> I mean, obvious, but noted. Yeah. I love it. I always, I don't know. I've I've looked at my life too, and I'm like, I think I'm, I'm one of those people I'm kind of late, like late's not the right word, but that things are happening later. I mean, I even went to college later because I took my time. I didn't know what I wanted to study. So I just, I worked and took my time and then I figured it out. So I went to school, you know, college about five, six years later than everybody else does and all that. So like, yeah, it's okay. Whose timeline do we, whose timeline do we think we're on? We don't have to be on anyone's but our own. And we're not told that either. Like if we stop worrying about what other people think of our life story, we'll have a better one. No one else is living it. No one else has a dog in our fight. No one. Mm-mm. Other people's shitty opinions should not dictate how we move through the world at all. And everybody's moving it through their own pathway. And, you know, those who started earlier, I'm sure, you know, everybody has their ups and downs too. It's like nobody's, nobody's path is perfect. For sure. I mean, and there are really low paths, even in my singlehood journey at the moment too. I don't want to like convey that I have achieved a level of perfection in singlehood at all. When I was walking home on Saturday night from dancing in the street, celebrating the Biden-Harris victory, I was walking home alone. I just parted ways from my friends and I was on my way back to my apartment and I was really sad to be alone. I really wanted somebody with me. And in that moment, I knew that a friend wouldn't cut it. I knew that I wanted to have a partner with me in that moment. And it was like, I know forever, this will have always been something I did alone. And I didn't like that. I, I mean, it didn't take away from my joy, let's be honest. But there was a, a very palpable sadness to being on my own in that moment. It passed because I've gotten pretty good at this. <laughs> but it was a sad moment. They do happen. But you get better at... Um, feeling them and and moving through those feelings instead of denying them or or saying that they're not happening. They're definitely happening. It's just that I'm, I'm far better at weathering them than I used to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think are some key things that you believe a single person could focus on to thrive more while they're single? Things you like to do, Mm -hmm. uh, things that only you like to do things that are unique about you that you are always worried other people will find weird or strange or ill-fitting. Live the fullest version of you that you can. I will give you an example. Uh, Two examples. I don't like 
uh, artificial light. I really don't like overhead lighting or lamps or anything. I've always felt, uh, it's like, I think I'm a highly sensitive person, but it's very jarring to me. Artificial light is very, I have a really hard time with it. The only artificial light in my home is Christmas lights. I have a white strand Christmas lights up all over my living room. And that's the only light source that I use after the sun sets. And it's so much nicer for me to have that light that I can take in that doesn't bother me as opposed to lamps and overhead lighting. Uh, It's weird that my house is lit by Christmas lights. It's super strange. They burn out all the time. I'm constantly replacing these things. I still don't have a good method to recycle them. Like it's, it's weird. It's super weird that my home is lit by Christmas lights, but I don't have to care because there's no one else here. It's just me. I can be as weird as I want to be. There are certain pieces of Halloween decor that are out all year long. I can see them now. Like it's Halloween is my favorite holiday. It's my favorite time of year. I love it so much. And I have a few pieces, very special pieces of Halloween decor that are just like on my bookshelf among the books as if they were normal pieces of like tchotchkes. And that's just, that's just the way it is. Um, And I don't have to justify it to anybody. I don't have to make it make sense to anybody. Be exactly who you are without worrying what other people think. That's one great way to accept it. Uh, and not just accept. That's another thing that I need to work on is, is not using the word accept anymore. I don't think singlehood should be accepted. I think it should be lived. It's a completely valid part of life that was never bad. And if it was never bad, it can't be something that you have to come around to accepting. Um, the badness of singlehood was a lie. It was always a lie. And I'm very serious about that. Um, the motivations for why we were lied to about singlehood probably very wildly depending on who you're ta- who you're talking to. I would assume that they are patriarchal in nature at the very beginning. Thank um, you. But yeah, uh it's yeah, you can look at the studies of like how when a man gets married he does less housework and when a woman gets married she does more. That shouldn't be happening. It should be split 50/50 because he was taking care of himself before, so why is he not taking care? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um but where was I going? Now I've lost my train of thought. Like where where was that origin? It's late in the day for me. I start my days at 4 a.m. I'm sorry. Um, that's another weird thing. I start my days at 4 a.m. Don't have to yeah. justify that to anybody either. Like, yeah. it, just be who you are and live live how you want to live. That's one wonderful way to fully live. Not just to, to live fully is to be exactly who you are and to be confident in that and to not have to justify who you are to anyone or anything. Um we've been taught to, we've been taught to like, uh, make it okay that we exist and we don't have to justify our existence to anybody. We don't have to justify our singlehood to anybody. We don't have to answer the question. So are you seeing anybody? We don't have to dazzle anyone with our answer. We can just say no. And that's the full answer. The full answer can just be, no, you don't have to make someone else feel okay about you not dating someone. You don't have to make somebody else feel okay about this mean question that they asked you. You don't have to do that. You can just say, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. And if someone says things like, oh my God, why are you single? I can't believe you're single. You don't have to dance around that either. You don't have to make somebody feel comfortable with asking you an uncomfortable thing either. You can just say, what did you mean by that? Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? Um, you don't have to make other people feel okay with your singleness. You don't have to make other people feel okay with your existence. And we've, we've been taught that we have to do that, but you don't. Such wise words. Thank you so much. What is next for you? 
Excellent question. Excellent question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but it's kind of like life kind of tells you when it's time for more things mm-hmm. or when it's time for different things. And definitely uh, 2021, I think is going to, there will be different and more things that I'm doing. I've been doing the podcast. It'll be two years in April. Mm-hmm. And I've been writing about singlehood since 2013. Oh, wow. um, in one way or another. Yeah. I've been writing about it a long time. I haven't been writing about it in this tone that whole time. I didn't really start challenging, really start challenging this stuff until 2017, 2018. Um, and then certainly very aggressively in 2019 and 2020. Um, I don't know, but I, I like that. I, I, now I like that. I don't know. Now I see, I don't know what's going to happen as exciting and like an adventure. I used to see it as, I don't know, like, Oh God, what's coming for me? Mm, Like scared. Mm -hmm. Now I'm very excited to see what's unfolding. And I think maybe 2020 has taught me not to plan too aggressively for anything just to kind Mm -hmm. of let things happen because we plan and COVID laughs. So why, why do that? I don't know. I think Definitely just creating more of what I like and what makes me happy for sure. Um, I love podcasting. I love writing and earning my living doing those two things that I love will be what I do in, in 2021 and in probably several capacities. So we'll yeah. see. <laughs> we will see. We are definitely headed into a new, a new time. So we'll see with <sighs> all of us. I know I, I come from a world of be, you know, setting these goals and, you know, being intentional, but I've also learned to kind of balance that and just, it, it feels really good to kind of let it go. Yes. You know, you, you, you show up and come to each day, but also what's the surprise universe? (laughs) What do you got? I mean, and I used to be so scared of saying that I used to be so scared. Like anytime I was just like, well, what do you got for me? It used to be like, that was like tempting with a negative. Now I'm not there is no negative or positive. Everything that comes and goes is just educational. That's all it is. And hopefully it's good too. We, we've, I mean, 2020 was a year without a lot of good until two days ago. <laughs> so there's, there's possibility for good as well. But I mean, even the things that aren't so good, they're there to teach you something. They're there, mm-hmm. they're there with purpose. Nothing is happening without purpose. Um, and it's kind of on us to get better at identifying that purpose. And, and most of the time that purpose is just education. It's just mm-hmm. experience. It's just proof to yourself that tough things can happen and you can be okay. Uh, you can do difficult things. Um, yeah, it's, we'll see. I think I'm going to move in 2021. Yeah. I think, I think that's on deck. I think I'm going to leave Brooklyn. I think really? that's, yeah. New York in general or just Brooklyn? Yeah. New York in general. I think I'm going to go live somewhere else. I I tend to move. I'm a mover. I've lived Mm -hmm. all over the country and I've been here for eight years. So it feels Mm -hmm. like as long as I've lived anywhere other than my mother's home. So (laughs) I think maybe maybe it might be time to branch out. We'll see. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, singlehood on its own and 2020 teaches us a lot. So (laughs) we can, and, and I love that you say that you know, everything is here to teach us. And I know this year too, has really taught us a lot. And I hope that we, um, I'm, I'm convinced that we'll come out uh, better and being in our singlehoodness and being with that and thriving can teach us so much as well. I agree. So I loved having you on. Yay! I don't want the conversation to end to end. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for having me. I love talking about this stuff. And I so rarely get to because most of the time I'm interviewing other people. So (laughs) it's nice to talk about this stuff. And it's all like, I'm very, very passionate about it. But it's also like, it's, it was education. I had to get it through an education, a very lengthy one. I've been single 13 years. It took a long time to get to a place where I could like talk about this stuff in a way that, that is positive for me and hopefully for other people. Um, so it took time, but I, lo- I love talking about this because it's, I know that it helps and that's why I'm excited to do it. So yeah. hopefully it will help someone listening feel like super better about this whole singlehood <laughs> thing that we were taught to hate that we shouldn't have ever hated in the first place. Watch whatever you want on TV you want, take whatever you want, flavor your popcorn however you like. If you take nothing else from, from me speaking, <laughs> flavor your popcorn however you want. I like very spicy popcorn that will melt your face clean off. That's what I enjoy. And I hope, uh, I hope everybody does something similar. Oh, I have no doubt they will take so much away from today. Thank you again. And um, for those listening, of course, I'll put um, Shani's website and information in the show notes and we will wrap up. Thank you again so much. Thank for you being so much here. for having me. It was so much fun. Thank you. <laughs>